0: Welcome to Luther's World of cryptids, ghosts, and the unexplained. If you're into strange things that fly above us in the skies, or creepy things that go bump in the night, then you have come to the right place. Much like cryptid creatures or folklore tales, they have a home here, and so do you in Luther's World. Welcome to Luther's World. chapter. Number five. So let's get right into things and jump into. I never thought it would happen to me. Real stories told by the people that had the encounters. So, our first story takes us to the mountain forests of Canada and a sighting of the one and only Bigfoot. In
1: 1991, I went on a hike to the Stanley Glacier, uh, which is just a little east of Lake Louise. Uh, off of highway number 93, I believe it is. And it was either the last week of May or the first week of June. And we had six people on the hike. There was myself, my younger brother, uh, my roommate, and then three friends of ours who were all brothers. And I was 19. Uh, My brother was uh, 12 at the time, possibly 13. And we'd spent the afternoon up on the glacier, and on our way back down, um, my brother, there was a bit of a ruckus up ahead, so we were coming down the hike, and everyone was sort of separated by maybe 40 yards or so, maybe more at times, less at times. And the lead person was my roommate Brent, and then uh, maybe 40 yards behind him was my brother, and then maybe another 40, 60 yards behind him was me, and then behind me were the three brothers and their dog. There was some commotion up just around the bend that we couldn't see at the time, and the dog heard it first and came running past me, and uh, followed shortly by the three brothers chasing after their dog uh, to get it under control. We didn't know what it was reacting to at the time. Um, so they all jogged ahead, and I brought up the rear last to the location, but as I got to the site, everybody was clustered, uh, looking over the slope to our right at something crashing through the trees, and the dog was going down the hill after it, barking at it. It's quite a uh, quite a commotion, fairly noisy, and as the commotion was going on, I stepped up and said, what's going on? And... At the time that I first got there, I could see what was making the commotion a little bit in the trees, probably 30 yards down the slope or so. And I could see, uh, I just caught a flash of some fur. I've come to think that maybe it was the back side of the right arm or shoulder, but I didn't know what it was at the time. It was just sort of tan-colored and the dog was chasing it and it was moving quickly. And so I stepped up and said, you know, what's going on, what's happening? and my brother was the one who had been there when it all started, and he's just very nonchalant, just said to me, I don't know, some kid just jumped across the path and went down the side over here. And I right away said, some kid, what do you mean some kid? And he said, you know, older than me, not as old as you. So again, he was 12, I was 19, so it seemed like a teenager. And I said, well, like how tall? He said, well, taller than me, not as tall as you. He was probably about five, nine at the time, I'm 6'3", so we figured probably around six feet tall. Um, The chase continued, the noise continued. I was now kind of puzzled by what a kid would be doing there at this time and why it had jumped down this very steep slope that was crisscrossed with fallen, burnt timber from a a big forest fire that had been there, I think, 20 years prior at the time. so I kept peppering him with questions while the chase was going on. At some point, the chase stopped. The barking continued, but the chase had stopped. So whatever the dog was chasing had been, quote unquote, treated, it stopped its motion, but the dog was still barking at it. And during that period, I'm still asking questions. And I started asking questions about the clothing and the hair. I said, well, what kind of clothing did he have on? He said, I don't know, I couldn't, couldn't really tell. He just had really long hair. And I said, well, did he have like a hunter's vest or like regular clothing? He said, yeah, he just seemed to just have really long hair all down his back. I couldn't see any, what kind of shirt or jacket he had on. And I said, okay, well, what about shorts or pants? And then he sort of stopped and looked up. He said, yeah, I, I could really just, just seemed to have long hair. Like must have been past his, past his butt because I couldn't see any clothes there. Any shorts or pants. And I said, well, what about boots or anything? And he just sort of shook his head sort of like, like in disbelief or futilely at this point, he just goes, I don't know, he just seemed to just have hair all the way to the ground. That's all I could see was hair. So again, at this point, the chase has stopped. And as he's giving me that last answer about hair being all the way to the ground and there not being any clothes that he could see, we started to hear the sound of a tree uh, being felled, like falling over. So the, the creak, creak, creak sound of it starting to fall and then it snapping back into position and then creak, 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 and then snapping back into position. This happened four or five times. Um, and we looked out and, and it was off to our right, a little bit further to the right. The, the, the animal had gone down the slope and then made a right-hand turn. That's where the dog had followed it. And on about the fourth or fifth creek, I could see that just the very top of a tree down the slope that seemed to be the one that was moving. And then on the, I think it was the fifth creek, it, it went over, it fell right down. And it sounded like a pretty substantial tree. I would have guessed probably an eight inch diameter or so. And um, then the dog went dead quiet. And my friends started freaking out about their dog that had gone quiet because the tree crashed loudly and then the dog went quiet. So we thought maybe the dog had, had been injured. So one of the three brothers started to go down the slope after the dog and in about 10 or 15 seconds was only able to get four or five yards down the slope. Whereas whatever had jumped down the slope previously was down in just just a few seconds had gotten quite a long ways down the slope. So at this point, when he got four or five yards down, the dog had come back and now the dog came back up to where we were standing. Uh, My friend turned around, came back up as well. The dog was making little huffs and puffs and doing little figure eights with his tail kind of tucked between his legs. Um, clearly agitated. And um, at that point, I just sort of said, hey, maybe we should go. We, I don't think any of us really felt any fear. We were just, we all puzzled about what had transpired because it seemed very unusual and we couldn't make sense of it. Uh, we didn't talk about it a lot on the rest of the hike down, um, but over the years I kept asking my brothers different questions about it. And it turned out that the animal had been standing at the side of the path, to his left which was the upslope looked at him square in the eyes and then leapt across the path and he thinks it landed on one of the fallen trees on the downslope on the other side which was probably 45 to maybe as steep as a 60 degree slope on the other side so it didn't seem to be the sort of incident that fit with any four-legged animal especially with how close my brother was to the creature he was only uh he was less than 10 yards from it Uh, probably even only 15 to 20 feet and um continually described it as some kid so it definitely seemed like it was bipedal and uh also the pushing over the tree seemed like it wouldn't have been something that most animals would have done maybe a bear and the train was just so treacherous that it didn't seem like this would have been a human in a suit because they really would have risked uh, breaking a leg or or worse on the train that that they were covering so we're not left with a lot of options and we think maybe it was something that's been described as a sasquatch
0: i would love to see that it's hard for the human mind the human brain to comprehend something so unexplainable and i'm glad that you were there to be able to talk to your brother when it was fresh in his mind Now we're going to go out and we're going to hear from Anthony Bowens as he's going to tell us about his experience in a haunted house.
2: My second paranormal experience came uh, probably about 10 or 15 years ago. I was with my best friend Will Lovejoy and he needed to go to his grandmother's house to, I forgot what we had to do, Uh, we had to speak to her and help her with something, something. So we got to her house, and I opened the door. I walk in, and immediately I felt this this heaviness, this cold, clammy, heavy. I felt like gravity was kind of turned up a bit, of just weighing it down. I felt it very, very strongly. Um, so I was freaking out. My friends didn't know why, but it just it was weird. And uh, she asked to grab, asked us to grab something in the basement, so we went over there, and as I was going down the basement stairs, that feeling, that heaviness just kept getting heavier and heavier the more I walked down, uh, to the point where I was like, I can't go down here. It was just too much of a presence on me. Uh, so I went back up, <clears throat> sweating, <laughs> trying not to, to crap my pants. And um, we ended up leaving, and the second I left the house, it was gone, everything was back to normal. So I, I told my... Well, I was like, I'm never going back there again. I feel like your, your house is haunted or like there's some sort of presence there. So he ended up telling his uncle this story a couple months later. And the uncle said, um, it's interesting that you said that because when they were children and they were in that house, they um, would always see a, a ghost of a farmer and his wife roaming the hallways. Um, nobody believed them, <clears throat> but they said they saw it. So... That freaked me out, so I ended up um, emailing that story to the town historian who then sent me results that the plot of land that the house sits on was a registered, or on land, that was formerly named Tour's Farm. So I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I got chills, um, and I got too scared, honestly, to pursue the story even further. Um, I didn't want to open up any crazy doors, but
0: that was kind of freaky. Hmm. I wonder what really happened on that land or in that house. But I know what you mean by when you say you had that heavy feeling, just the like the feeling that something was not right. I once worked at a club where I would have to take props when they would have skits or plays or bands or anything uh, upstairs. Um, and through I had to walk over a catwalk and then into these back rooms and this is when I had first started I didn't know anything about any of the stories or history of the place but the first time I walked up there I had that heavy feeling and I just went past the catwalk into the rooms and it was just a freaky almost sort of scary feeling I can't even describe it and it got so bad That feeling and I didn't see anything or no one said anything but it was just eerie that I wouldn't even go past that catwalk so when I had to carry the props I would get halfway and I would just throw them to the other side into the hallway of this place so people would always come the next day and have to they'd be like why is all this stuff just cluttered in the hallway because I would never go back there I went back there once And I was like, never again. And I'm not really scared to go in scary scary places because I've gone ghost hunting many times. But for some reason, that place just had a really heavy, heavy feel and a scary feel to it. And then later I heard a whole bunch of really cool stories which I will share on here in later episodes. Now, it's time to read mail that you guys sent in. It's time for the paper trail. So it's time for the paper trail again. I got another letter from the old mailbag. And actually this one's from an old friend of mine, uh, Dean. We grew up together. Um, And him and his brother Jordan both got into wrestling and became pro wrestlers too and had pretty good careers on the um, Alberta scene back in the day. So his letter starts. Well, my brother Jordan and Greg... Pistol Pollock and I were renting a house in Inglewood, this is in Calgary, right when we started training with Stampede Wrestling. It was built in 1942, a small two bedroom with a developed basement. Uh, It had a room in the basement along with a rumpus room. We had a TV in the basement where we would play Nintendo. Well, when the TV was on in the basement you could see the reflection of it in the window of the back door. One night, I had come home from work, ate supper, and went into the basement to play some Nintendo. About half an hour later, Jordan and Gray came home, or I thought they did. I heard the front door open and footsteps. So I went upstairs and no one was there. Hmm, weird. So I went back down to finish my game. They came home a little while later, at which point I did go back upstairs. We were hanging on the couch in the living room and looking to our left past the kitchen to where there was the back door. I could see the TV was on. Greg says, Dino, you should shut off the TV from downstairs. I said, I did. But thinking maybe I might not have, I went down and turned it off. So I'm about to sit down with them and watch some Dynamite vs. Tiger mask matches. Very good choices, by the way. Uh, And sure as shit, the TV was on again. I said, man, I just shut that off. So So I went and turned it off again. And this time, it turned back on before I was even back up the stairs. Jordan's room was in the basement. He was working doing landscaping at the time. If it was raining, he couldn't work and had the day off. So one day he said he had heard footsteps while he was sleeping, right around mid-morning. He thought that maybe myself or Greg had come home from work. So he went upstairs and just like my experience, no one was there. So he figured there was something in the house, not necessarily evil or whatever, but some kind of spirit was there for sure. There was a couple of other things that went on there too, but I've already droned on long enough. Stay well, stay safe, bro. Talk soon. Dean Glark. Thanks for writing. Uh, Definitely was a spirit there, I think. Um, Obviously, it wanted to play Nintendo with you, man.
3: This is AEW superstar, Big Shoddy Lee, and I'm here to read Luther's Mail. My family moved into a new home back in 2006. It was an older home that needed some fixing. I was 16 at the time never experienced anything supernatural before well shortly after moving in i had a buddy come over to hang out and watch some sunday night football as we sat on my futon watching my friend was sitting to the right of me with my bedroom door behind us and also to the right i look over to my buddy to say something about the game when out of the corner of my eye i see something at this point i'm looking at an emotionless older man with a mustache wearing a wool coat and fedora I lost control of my emotions and not exactly sure what was going on, wasn't sure if someone had just broke in or what. My reaction started, my friend, and as we stood up to assess the situation, the apparition was gone. Just vanished. I started crying because I now realized that I have seen something that might not be of this world, or something that used to be of this world. I thought I was crazy. I kept that experience to myself and my friend for months after until my mother claimed to have heard footsteps in the attic where nobody was. I explained my experience to my mother, including the details of what the man was wearing. She then stopped told me to follow her to the basement, where a fedora hat was hanging on a hook from what had to, from what had to have been from the previous owners. The same exact hat this man was wearing. My perspective on everything after that changed. My family has had multiple experiences, then. Nothing that would instill fear into us, though. Hope you get to read this. Thank you.
4: What's up, guys? Preston Vance here, aka number 10 in the Dark Order from AEW, and I am here to read Luther's fan mail. This is Ghost of Girl. I had a friend I would stay with a lot, a lot of the time, and there was a ghost of a girl in a white dress who would come around about every night. The trailer he lived in had an interesting layout with the kitchen and the living room being more or less connected and sometimes at night, I would wake up, I slept on the couch, and the girl would be one of two places, standing in the kitchen or right at the end of the couch. The weirdest encounter I ever had was waking up one night with her at my feet at the end of the couch. And by this point, it was such a common occurrence, I just went back to sleep. But when i got up to get ready for school i noticed that my clothes for school had been moved from where they were and were folded which was extra confusing due to the fact that i woke up before everyone else and woke them up to get ready every day still confuses me to this day what unfolded in my sleep richard
2: hey it's your reverend of sin rising and you are watching luther's Worlds, cryptids Ghosts and the Unexplained.
0: (laughs) If you have a story and you want it to be on the show, just write it out and email it to me at luthersworldmail at gmail.com or you can videotape yourself telling your own story and I'll put it on a future episode. On this chapter of The Storytellers, brand new storyteller Michelle Brandenburg is gonna tell us about superstition and mirrors.
5: Throughout human history, we have used omens and superstitions to keep us safe, to explain the unexplainable, to protect us from the paranormal, to ward off evil spirits and to cultivate good luck. Many of those superstitions, small bits of ritual magic, have worked their way into our daily existence. They have stood the test of time Various objects, elements, things that pull our focus, make us wonder, and create bizarre sayings that last for millennia. One of these things is mirrors. Originally used as a form of unstructured divination, scrying. An intuitive, a psychic, a spiritual leader would take a mirror and dip it in some water. When they were to pull it out and you were to look at your own reflection, if the reflection was distorted, it would be said that you would have seven years of bad luck. Why bad luck? Why seven years? How does that translate to a broken mirror today? Throughout cultures, mirrors are used to represent portals. Sometimes they trap and hold evil spirits. Sometimes they depict illness and misfortune. A broken mirror is the same as a distorted mirror from water in today's society. And why seven years? The Romans believed that it took seven years for the body to regenerate. And so during that time period, the person whose image was distorted would be plagued with ill health and little wealth.
0: This chapter's Cryptids of the world. We look at the Pukwudgie.
5: The Puckwudgie
0: comes from Wampanoag folklore. It is said to stand around 2 to 3 feet tall and have smooth, gray skin and bristles like that of a porcupine. Its features resemble that of a human but has a large nose, large fingers, and very large ears. Pakwajis have been said to have kidnapped people or even have attacked people with short knives and spears. They are also supposedly used poison arrows or darts to kill victims. Pakwajis have mostly been sighted in the forests of the Northeast, mostly around New England. In Freetown Fall River State Forest in Massachusetts there have been many suicides and many have been linked to the Pukwudgie which is said to have pushed these people over the cliffs at the park to their death. In many Native American folklore the Pukwudgie were helpful to humans many years ago but became jealous of them. Then they started burning Homes, kidnapping children and adults, and then they started killing the tribes. So, if you ever, ever run across a puck they say it's best to just turn and walk away very fast, and then just run, and hopefully, you can outrun that poison arrow. This chapter's Haunted Hotel. It's going to take us to the great state of Louisiana and to one of the most haunted cities, maybe even in the world, New Orleans. We're going to be staying at the Bourbon Orleans Hotel in the French Quarter of New Orleans, Louisiana. If you want to stay there, it's going to run you about $144 to $294. The Bourbon Orleans Hotel was built in 1815. The hotel was once a covenant and orphanage during the 19th century. When the yellow fever epidemic broke out, many children lost their lives right inside the Bourbon Orleans. It is said that now in the hallways of the hotel you can hear children's laughter. People have also reported having the backs of their shirts yanked as they walk down the hallway. And they'll turn around and the hallway will be completely empty. In room 644, people have said to hear tortured cries from within the room. It is said that a nun, a nun from the Sisters of the Holy Family, committed suicide in room 644. Guests there have reported waking up to a spirit of a woman wearing a nun's habit standing next to the bed, just watching them. She'll just stand there and watch them with thoughtful kind expression on her face, so it's an apparition where you can make out forms. Many have reported seeing the ghost of a Confederate soldier limping down the hallway at night it is said you can hear his footsteps as well as the scraping of his sword as it scratches on the ground as he walks. In the ballroom people have witnessed the apparition of a woman dancing all by herself. Always underneath the crystal chandeliers. And in the ballroom there is also a strange thing that happens. There will be a blood stain appear from time to time. Staff will clean it and it'll go away, but it'll only reappear again sometime later. So if you're staying in New Orleans, you have a plethora of hotels to choose from and there'll be others on the show. But why not check out the Bourbon Orleans in the French Quarter. I'd like to thank all my guests, Anonymous Bigfooter and Anthony Bowens. My readers, Lee Johnson and 10 Preston Bands. Ryzen for stopping by, he's a good dude, my storyteller, Michelle Brandenburg, thank you and welcome to the team, and mostly you, the viewers, let the chaos run strong, and stay creepy.